This is Notoriously Episcopalian. My name is Kelly Hudlow. This is a podcast of sermons and musings all about the Christian faith and especially about being an Episcopalian. 168 years to the day after Frederick Douglass issued his What to the Slave is the Fourth of July message, I joined with faith leaders of the Poor People's Campaign in preaching on that theme from my particular context as being part of the Episcopal Church in Alabama. The text for reflection included Douglass's speech, the Declaration of Independence, and Matthew chapter 23, verses 23 through 24. On July 5, 1852, Frederick Douglass stood in front of a gathering of the Rochester's Ladies Anti-Slavery Society in Rochester, New York. He had been invited there to give a speech reflecting on the Independence Day holiday of July 4th. Douglass, who has escaped enslavement in 1838, spoke to the crowd in New York while over 3.2 million people remained enslaved. Douglass's speech has been has come to be called by one of the most powerful questions that he asked. What to the American slave is your 4th of July? Some 168 years later, our country is again in a time of turmoil. We are besieged by the pandemic of COVID-19 and the wounds of systemic racism that have been left to fester have been ripped open. The failings of our healthcare system and the racial injustice ingrained in it cannot be covered over as black people and poor people are disproportionately sickened and die from COVID-19. And as the murder of black men and black women by police is broadcast live on the internet, we can no longer hide the injustice and violence and fear that is ingrained in our systems of policing and criminal justice. And so today, in 2020, we hear Douglas's question again and anew. What to those who suffer from COVID-19 is your 4th of July? What to those who grieve the loss of brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers killed by the police is your 4th of July? Douglas's answer 168 years ago was painful then, and it is still painful today because it still rings true. Douglas answers that the 4th of July reveals more than all the other days in the year the gross injustice and cruelty to which he is a constant victim. To him, your celebration is a sham, your boasted liberty and unholy license, your prayers and hymns, your sermons and thanksgivings, with all your religious parade and solemnity, are to him mere bombast, fraud, deception, impiety, and hypocrisy. Now, for some of us in the Episcopal Church, quoting Frederick Douglass in a sermon might seem too political, his language too divisive, and beyond the proper purview of a sermon. Well, I could say a lot to dispute the desire for an apolitical religion on this day and to this question, the Episcopal Church cannot hide. Turn to page 17 of your Book of Common Prayer and you will see that Independence Day, a.k.a. July 4th, is enshrined as a major feast in our church. And look to our book of Lesser Feast and Fast and you will find Frederick Douglass there, named among the saints that we should look to as an example of holy and faithful living. So, we cannot hide from Frederick Douglass's question, so what say the Episcopal Church 
is the 4th of July. If we look through our book, it is a day that our church is complicit in perpetuating a distorted moral narrative, a creation myth that is certainly more fiction than fact when we pray, Lord God Almighty, in whose name the founders of this country won liberty for themselves and for us and lit the torch of freedom for nations then unborn. Grant that we and all the people of this land may have grace to maintain our liberties in righteousness and peace. A prayer such as this ignores the fact that at the time of our Declaration of Independence, there were hundreds of thousands of black people enslaved. It ignores the dehumanization of indigenous people as America staked its claim to the land and its destiny. A prayer like this falls into the trap of only reading that beautiful early sentence, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, but that stops and doesn't keep reading to see that among the grievances that we at our founding listed against the crown was that the crown incited insurrections amongst us, slave rebellions, and that it brought about to the inhabitants of our frontiers the merciless Indian savages. It's uncomfortable to hold these two sentences in tension, but yet they are there in the same document. Beautiful liberty and freedom and life and the dehumanization of black people and brown people and indigenous people. It doesn't make for a neat and easy collect and it certainly should cause us discomfort. And maybe for the Episcopal Church, July 4th should be a day of discomfort. It should be a day that brings us to our knees to recall the whole facts of our country's birth and remember that the founding of our church is entwined with the birth of our country. It should be a day to recall the discomforting words that Jesus spoke to religious authorities. In the Gospel of Matthew, after his triumphant entry into Jerusalem in the days before his arrest and crucifixion, Jesus, while he is teaching the crowd, stands in the temple in front of the religious leaders and his disciples and all the crowds of Jerusalem and proclaims, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you tithe mint, dill, and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. It is these you ought to have practiced without neglecting the others. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. Woe to us religious leaders that focus on dotting the I's and crossing the T's, but neglect the substance of the call of God to bring justice and mercy and faith. Woe to the leaders of faith that accept the pretense of following the law while allowing injustice and cruelty to continue. For us in the Episcopal Church, the 4th of July should be a day of woe, a day of discomfort, as we name that at the conception of our country's vision of equality, life, liberty, and happiness, it was small and it was limited, and that the system we created was meant to perpetuate that small vision, and that it has only been through the struggle and bravery of those denied those ideals that we have begrudgingly expanded that vision. 
Woe to us in the Episcopal Church that have grasped tightly to the nicety of civility while ignoring the work of repentance and reconciliation and justice. For us in the Episcopal Church, the 4th of July should be a day of truth-telling, a day to name our complicity in this system, our complicity in a system that has 140 million people who are poor and struggling in the richest country in the world, our complicity in a system that has allowed over 130,000 people to die of COVID-19, our complicity in a system that lets 700 people die each day from poverty and inequality. We should engage in truth-telling that here in the state of Alabama, where Episcopalians make up a very small amount of the Christian community but have held a disproportionate amount of power in this state, 2.1 million people are poor or low income, that 54% of our prison population is people of color, that our black residents are incarcerated at three times the rate as our white residents, that as of 2018, 51% of Alabama's workforce makes under $15 an hour, and that at the state's current minimum wage rate of $7.25 an hour, it takes 82 hours of work per week to afford a two-bedroom apartment, that in a state that refuses to expand Medicaid, 483,000 people go uninsured, all while the Episcopal Church meets in its neat churches and says its fine prayers. For us, the 4th of July should be a day for prophetic hope. See, even as Jesus stood in the temple and named the hypocrisies of its leaders, he did so with hope. He did so with the hope that they would repent and return to God and God's mercy and God's justice. See, even as Frederick Douglass stood and called to task this nation for its sin of slavery and the church for its sin of omission and commission and perpetuating slavery, he did so with hope. Douglass said, allow me to say in conclusion, notwithstanding the dark picture I have this day presented of the state of the nation, I do not despair this country. There are forces in operation which much inevitably work the downfall of slavery. The arm of the Lord is not shortened, and the doom of slavery is certain. I, therefore, leave off where I began with hope. Douglas could see the promise of the age and the work of God in the world to make the once vague ideas of the founding fathers a reality. So in the Episcopal Church, let us have prophetic hope on the 4th of July, that in this moment of turmoil in our nation, we have been dragged out from the silence of the anesthetizing security of our stained glass windows, that we find ourselves in the streets in a sea of prophetic voices, young and old, black and white, rich and poor, gay, straight, indigenous, immigrant. The prophets of this age can see the truth of our history and still dare to envision the promise of our future. The prophets of this age challenge us not to forget or erase the past, but rather to not allow ourselves and our country to be confined by it. They challenge us to be defined not by what we were, but by what we can be. When we do this, when we are discomforted and sorrowful, when we look truthfully at our history and at our present, when we listen to the prophetic hope that is in the world around us, then... 
Then and only then can the 4th of July be a day of celebration, a day when we celebrate the flawed and imperfect founding fathers and mothers and the flawed system they created, but we also celebrate the founding fathers and mothers that would come after 1776, prophets of our country and every generation that have worked to make us more free, that have challenged us to make the ideals of our founding not small and limited, but grand and inclusive, that have told us to stop being satisfied with the appearance of freedom and justice and to actually make it a reality. So what is the 4th of July? For me, it is a day to celebrate Frederick Douglass and Harriet Tubman and Martin Luther King Jr. and Jonathan Daniels and the prophets of our age that often go unnamed. The 23 people arrested yesterday in Hoover, Alabama that have showed up again and again to witness to the fact that black lives matter. It means that I celebrate Pamela Sue Rush, a freedom fighter from Lowndes County, Alabama, that had the audacity of hope to demand that the structures that held her in poverty and that allowed raw sewage in her front yard should be torn down. And that even though her voice has now been silenced by COVID-19, her prophetic word and witness did not go unheard. So what is the 4th of July should be a day that the incongruity of the myth and our reality is brought into focus. It should be a day of confession and repentance. It should be a day of remembrance and prophetic hope. In the Episcopal Church, it should certainly be a day that we renew our baptismal promises to renounce the evil powers of this world, which could corrupt and destroy the creatures of God, and to strive for justice and peace among all people and respect the dignity of every human being. It should be a day of prayer not a prayer that recalls an imagined and fictional past, but a prayer that wrestles with our imperfect present and points to the prophetic future. Almighty God, we remember before you all poor and neglected persons whom it would be easy for us to forget the homeless and the destitute, the old and the sick, and all who have none to care for them. Help us to heal those who are broken in body or spirit and to turn their sorrow into joy. Grant this, Father, for the love of your Son, who became poor for our sake. Amen. Look with pity, O Heavenly Father, upon the people in this land who live with injustice, terror, disease, and death as their constant companions. Have mercy upon us who help us to eliminate our cruelty to these our neighbors. Strengthen those who spend their lives establishing equal protection of the law and equal opportunities for all. And grant that every one of us may enjoy a fair portion of the riches of this land. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, who created us in your image, grant us grace fearlessly to contend against evil and to make no peace with oppression, and that we may reverently use our freedom. Help us to employ it in the maintenance of justice in our communities and among the nations, 
to the glory of your holy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.